Captain, receiving a transmission on all frequencies. What's the source? Unknown, sir. Put it on screen. Oh my god. Warning, incoming game. Warning, incoming game. Welcome to Incoming Game, the podcast where we watch and rewatch the 90s animated series Reboot. I'm Jessica, and I've been a fan for a long time. I'm Ben, and I'm watching this for the first time. Each week, we'll take an episode, dissect it, inject some trivia, and try to find our frostiest moments. This week, we're following our prime directive with Where No Sprite Has Gone Before. Today's episode is brought to you by French Bread Pizza and Sam Adams 76. Is that a reference? No, that's just what I ate today. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so how you doing, Jess? I'm doing pretty good. I'm excited I'm going to Baltimore this weekend. Gonna eat some crabs, enjoy Labor Day. Should be fun. Ooh. What about you? Got any plans? Uh, nothing worth talking about. <laughs> Actually had a great time last weekend. I went down to uh, North Adams, Massachusetts and got to see The Greatest Generation live, awesome. which was hilarious. I loved it. And then Ashley and I climbed a mountain. <laughs> I saw. That was very uh, energy-filled of you. Oh, my God. I don't God. have the energy for mountain climbing anymore. Yeah, it was uh, the highest mountain in um, Massachusetts, actually. And it was a lot of fun, but very tiring. Understandably so. All right, you ready to uh, go out to the final frontier? Engage. So today we're doing Season 3, Episode 6, Where No Sprite Has Gone Before. It first aired on September 24th, 1997. It was written by D.C. Fontana. And the story is by Gavin Blair, Dan Dio, Phil Mitchell, and Ian Pearson. And we open up in a system that looks much better than the last one we saw. Yeah, there's these uh, futuristic buildings. And just as a nice added touch, we get a lens flare. So we know that this is a J.J. Abrams installment. <laughs> It's the Abrams verse. <laughs> and what? It's written by DC Fontana? <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> that popped right out to me. <laughs> so, yeah, we get to see a game leaving as Andrea, Matrix, and Frisket enter this shiny new system, and we immediately get thrown into the Star Trek verse uh, with Andrea giving her captain's log. Andrea's log, game date unknown. We've entered a new system with the hope of finding mainframe. Man, we're just going all in, huh? Yep. So uh, Enzo has a little bit of a tantrum and tosses Glitch right to the ground. I enjoy that Andrea is giving her captain's log with Enzo right there talking about how much of a horrible traveling companion he is. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's probably why he threw the Glitch. He's like, ah, tired of this (laughs) backtalk. Now, I have a quick question. Is Glitch still broken? Did we ever see it get fixed? No, yeah, it's still broken. So, I mean, it does the stuff that it could do before, which is scan the game, scan the system, but it still can't do anything like glitch cutters or glitch, you know, all the fancy stuff it used to do with Bob. Okay. So uh, just then, there is an explosion, followed by a group of shouting sprites chasing what appear to be several tears. Yeah, I was just calling them fuzzies the whole time. (laughs) 
They're blasting around and shouting out code names. Pixel, power lock, giga girl, email. And Andrea and Enzo both pull out their weapons, though Andrea does point out that they don't actually know which side they should be shooting. Yeah, <laughs> Enzo's ready to shoot first and ask questions later. <laughs> but suddenly we see Iron Man with some suspiciously Adam Duritz looking hair. I'd recognize those dreads anywhere. So does Enzo, apparently. Yeah, he is just, like, shitting his pants. And uh, She-Hulk tells Rob to look (laughs) out as a couple of tears head his way. Enzo has an immediate devotion to this guy. You can tell already. Next thing you know, he's going to find out that both their moms are named Martha. (laughs) Why did you say that name? So this uh, creepy, stretchy, skull-faced character wraps himself around all of the tears or fuzzies. And uh, who who is this cigar-chomping bozo? (laughs) (laughs) The Punisher, I'm fairly certain. These are some low-rent Avengers. The group of superhero ripoffs lands on the ground, and Rob sports Bob's signature's line. Try and escape? I don't think so. Enzo uh, taps his shoulder, and he, like, flips around and pulls out a lightsaber, and it's time to fight. Which, you know, to be fair, Enzo was pointing a gun at him. (laughs) (laughs) The show is obviously written by Canadians. Because Enzo points a gun at this guy and he goes, oh, I'm sorry. How rude of you. (laughs) I can introduce myself. (laughs) So this uh, bobbleganger doesn't recognize our crew. So uh, he introduces himself as Captain Cursor. Uh, He and his crew intentionally let the user win the games so that something called the Spectrals will listen to their demands. So this uh, Cursor is doing your typical Shatner impression, which if I can do a little bit of a rant... I don't think actually exists. Like, I'm not sure exactly where the impression came from, but if you go back and watch the original series, that's not at all how Kirk talks. I think it's more become the idea of Shatner because he started doing all those music things and like... Yeah, like the closest thing I can think of is there's one scene in Wrath of Khan where he angrily says, Still, old friend. And, like, otherwise he talks like a normal person, but, like, those three (laughs) words have apparently defined his speech pattern forever. (laughs) Well, much like Luke, I am your father, stuff gets stuck in the popular culture and it stays there whether it's correct or not. Uh, They get invited back to the hard drive. Mm. uh, And we see Enzo try and secretly prod Cursor to see if he's Bob in disguise, which I think is pretty funny. Cursor is not familiar with the term. He's like, Guardian? We have a Celine Dion. Does that count? Beetroot? What is this? <laughs> also, um, this guy's voice is noticeably not Bob. So either they got a different voice actor or he's intentionally disguising his voice. All right. So it's funny you'll say that, but I can't tell you why. So we're just going to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> they enter the hard drive and it looks like a big cave surrounded by uh, big boxy computers, which is, you know, typical Star Trek set. We get the classic Trek sounds the whole time, which I thought was pretty fun. Oh, yeah, I was I was loving the, the Foley. <laughs> and uh, email, a.k.a. the Freakazoid guy, yeah. uh, unloads the captured fuzzies into a containment area. And Enzo is mostly focused on making his new dad like him. But uh, <laughs> Andre is more focused on breaking the Geneva Convention. <laughs> or stopping the Geneva Convention from being broken, I should say. Yeah, yeah. Once email spits up the tears into a holding area, they start speaking up and it becomes a shouting match as to who betrayed who. Traitors! You betrayed your race and now you betray your function. We learned that the fuzzies there were the dominant life if that's the right word, of this planet. But they can't reboot. So when the game showed up, some of them got turned into sprites. 
yeah, this group volunteered to, like, transform in order to defend the system. And, and holy shit, is that Amy Wong from Futurama? <laughs> does kind of look like her, doesn't it? She's dressed exactly like her. <laughs> I was just picturing her more as a uh, those bots from Austin Powers. Oh, yeah, <laughs> the fembots. <laughs> At any rate, the sprites want to go back home to their original forms, but the spectrals won't allow it, saying that they've been tainted by the flesh. The games have corrupted them. They're much too fleshy now. So the sprites have decided to use the games as bargaining tools against the Spectrals to get their old lives back. This is pretty classic, you know, miscommunication errors happening here. In the middle of this spat, they decide to head to the bar. And uh, a couple of seating shenanigans later, Andrea takes it upon herself to free the Spectrals from their prison. Maybe it's just because it was a seating shenanigan at a bar, but I got a very season one feel from that gag. That was a callback for sure. (laughs) We also get to, I guess see a little bit more of the powers we kind of already saw them but so we have a guy that's pretty much plastic man and a lady that's pretty much the hulk and uh ms multiple who's trying to stop andrea from leaving because andrea likes setting things free so when they confront andrea she disappears and leaves the rest of them to go on the hunt they uh suit up and rob asks enzo if he's with them or again them and he's like both i guess and bob's like (laughs) okay sounds good bye (laughs) (laughs) once everyone has left the hard drive andrea reveals that she was there the whole time just hiding and sealing like a ninja (laughs) they uh argue about allegiances because enzo's still convinced that cursor might be bob because you don't know what all that time on the web might do to a person he might have gotten trapped in 4chan for a while he might have changed completely his look forgotten who he was entirely and had been living in this place for who knows how long you think he would have at least recognized frisket because his look didn't change (laughs) But uh, Andrea storms off very slowly. Stop projecting your father issues on every guy with dreads, Matrix. (laughs) So she wanders the barren streets of this new system and finds one of the fuzzies. She offers her help to him as the system alert goes off. There's a new tear. Yeah, they are not very grateful at all. I want to help you. Go back to your own kind, fleshling. and, And she has to, like, convince them to let her help. They're like, well... All right. Like, she she always has to struggle to convince anyone that she's capable of doing anything. <laughs> Which is strange, because she's never been less than capable. I guess it's not that strange in the patriarchy, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, back at HD, uh, Matrix is just standing there looking at the wall, waiting for someone to arrive so he can talk to them. <laughs> is he an NPC? <laughs> no, he's just sulking. Daddy issues. So the Hero Collective returns to their lair... And they've noticed the tear as well. Uh, Matrix tries to help the situation with some sarcasm, which gives the Punisher (laughs) a chance to call Andrea the worst name he could possibly think of on a show that's not allowed to curse. (laughs) And that includes you, little witch. Enzo goes for the throat, and so uh, Amy Wong runs over to break it up. And uh, Enzo asks, like, why don't they just mend the tear? And Chris is like, I can't. I left all my D12s in my spectral pants. So we have pretty much given that if you're fleshy, it's so that you can fix the games. If you're fuzzy, it's so that you can fix the tears. Like, <laughs> obviously, you guys have to work together. I, th- this is like me yelling at one of those books where they never talk. <laughs> <laughs> so Andrea is pressing some buttons, trying to create a path for the spectrals to repair the tear. And they're all arguing amongst themselves. And uh, as more tears pop up, one of them freaks out and just, like, flies out of the room. <laughs> he, she's fairly certain that 
Andrea is the one behind all this, but Andrea doesn't have time for this drama. She starts asking about the system's medical history and then asks the Fuzzies to take her to a specific spot that she's located. They are real dicks to her, too. Like, at one point she asks if they can fix the tear, and the one is like, yeah, obviously, this one and anyone. And then she goes, well, when did you say these system errors started? And he's like, oh, I didn't say, but, like, whatever. (laughs) They've obviously got some problems with the flesh bags. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) So, meanwhile, Enzo and Iron Man are having a drink down in 10 Forward, which is the setup to a joke that I don't know the answer to. (laughs) But Cursor is like, so this Guardian thing, what gives? And so Enzo sings, I used to trust a guy named Bob, but now he's just somebody that I used to know. (laughs) Enzo explains that he's imprinted on Cursor like a baby duckling, and really, he just needs his daddy to love him. (laughs) Cursor is like, so uh, your girlfriend doesn't really like me, huh? I'm usually pretty good with the ladies. (laughs) I enjoy that they know that the system is possibly crashing due to the amount of terrors that have shown up, but they're just using this time to sit down and have a drink. Some more darts. (laughs) It's very casual. But it's about this time that Matrix starts to do some actual work and does a system scan. It's time for the hunt, but not just any hunt. Cut to another scene so they don't have to explain what it is. Andy and the Spectrals are flying out toward the tear, and the one says to her, so, uh, single now, huh? (laughs) (laughs) She rebuffs him. She's like, we argue, but that doesn't mean we hate each other. And the Spectral is, like, mind-blown by this. He's like, man, I really need to think about some things, R.E. colon, my old friends. (laughs) So you can disagree, but still get along. This is weird. <laughs> so they find the tear, and yes, it looks fucking exactly like the spectrals. I don't want to hear it. Yeah, yeah, it totally does. They look exactly <laughs> like tears. But they all go around them in some kind of weird hex and do do the healing stuff. Uh, Andy points out that it must have been made by someone, and the spectral is like, yeah, no shit. And they start bumping on her. We will kill you with static shock. So then Enzo and his crew show up and go, you've got a virus. And then she goes, no, you've got a virus. Hmm. Maybe we've both got viral infections. Have we been checked for PIDs lately? (laughs) It's at this point in the dramatic showdown that Frisket shows up, immediately loses interest, and leaves. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So they hypothesize that the first game must have installed some malware, and Iron Man immediately denies clicking any risky links. And the Spectrals are like, yeah, of course you'd say that, you virus. Oh, the liar supports the liar. And then the Spock lady retorts, Aha, but would a virus lock you up and keep you prisoner? (laughs) Which is such a strange (laughs) argument. Especially since we just saw four episodes of Megabyte doing exactly that with his sister. So uh, Matrix tries to pull out Glitch to solve the matter, but the suspicious Fuzzy yells, He's coming right for us! And then dives straight at Matrix. Yeah, they start boinking on him instead. (laughs) It's time for a fight montage. Complete with logos. Yeah, so uh, during the fight, Andy and Enzo kiss and make up while Cursor sneaks off with a spectral and go to a motel. (laughs) They kiss and make up as well, too, and the two sides stop fighting. (laughs) It's at this point that the suspicious Fuzzy gets all angry about peace talks and Matrix finally calls him out for being a virus. Enzo's like, fine, then I'll kill you! (laughs) And starts blasting him, like, point blank. But misses every single time. He's about as good a shot as a stormtrooper, so Booty has to freeze it instead. (laughs) It's not enough to keep the virus from monologuing, though, about how he and his brother are going to take over the system. Wah-ha-ha-ha. <laughs> My brother's still around, so yeah. 
the uh, head spectral says that he had a team working on repairs over at the principal office. And Andrew's like, well, guess what? Your team sucks. As the, an earthquake starts and, you know, the system starts to crash. So the group heads off to stop the second virus. And as they head there, they find Frisket in attack mode on the Punisher. And so Enzo's like, Frisket hates viruses. He must be one. So I guess that means Bob was a virus too, because Frisket definitely <laughs> didn't like him either. Frisket's nose doesn't lie. Once caught out, the Punisher raises his missile launcher and threatens them all with the ominous do not press button. See, all I could focus on was that his cigar was definitely a dick. All right, yeah, okay, thank you. Because I was just like, maybe I'll talk about that? No, I won't bring that up. <laughs> I, I considered it, but I was like, no, it's too obvious. Like, that's definitely no no question. <laughs> yeah, th- th- okay. That's enough of that. <laughs> Go look at screenshots, people. <laughs> it's like if you were wondering what that flasher binome looked like under the trench coat. <laughs> so a spectral attacks and Big Pun fires into the air, causing some scaffolding to fall and land on Iron Man. After he pushes Matrix out of the way heroically. Enzo shoots Cigar Aficionado, who has a extended off-screen death scene. Which we can only assume is really horrible going by the gross reactions to it. But yeah. all that's left of him is his stogie, which Andrea stamps out immediately. <laughs> Cursor lives long enough to say goodbye before turning into a sneeze, and a little bit of him gets into Enzo's eyes. System. Out of danger? Yes. Good. And then Matrix calls out, Con! <laughs> uh, before he can fully mourn, however, a game comes down, and the Spectral is like, Leave us now! And they're like, okay, but you got to work together, all right? If not, I'm going to have to go get the work together shirt and make you both wear it. And they're like, all right. There will be peace, if not now, then with the next generation. We also get the scene here of Matrix and Andrea transporting away. So, Ben, what did you think of this episode? So, you may think that I love this episode. You would be wrong. I don't necessarily. (laughs) (laughs) So, like... I liked and appreciated most of the Star Trek references, especially the the little ones, like the sound effects and like the wall graphics and stuff like that. Like some of the more obvious quotes, like the make it so and whatnot, were a little hammy, like the Kirk voice, etc. But as a whole, here's where I'm falling. Like that first episode, the Evil Dead one, was so much fun. And I keep wanting the rest of the episodes to be at that level. And these last couple just aren't hitting it for me. I think that's understandable. This episode also was kind of meh for me and then on top of that we got a lot of feedback saying this is people's least liked episode of the series so it's not surprising i don't think it was my least liked episode by any margin but it definitely was just kind of there right like that whole first arc had like a great balance of humor and drama and like i felt like okay well this is where the series is going this is great and like this arc is just doing a completely different thing and i'm not getting that same sense of fun yeah there's definitely less fun in these first two episodes which is which is a little bit of a letdown so we'll have to see how it goes because i remember some really fun stuff so it could just be a little bit of a hiccup as we start the new art hopefully fingers crossed and i was i was on board for like a full-on trek goof but most of it was so self-serious with like just a lot of winks yeah a whole lot of winks and i I think there is something to say about the, the feel of the episode now granted i'm don't watch the original series Mm -hmm. but i imagine this is how a lot of the original series feels of the idea of going to this new planet and then trying to solve this thing between the two uh opposing races that 
have an obvious solution, but they haven't seen it yet. Thankfully, our heroes have come along to explain to them how being nice works, and now we leave and move on to the next planet kind of feel. I mean, you're not wrong. That's yeah. pretty accurate. Which is probably why I don't watch TOS Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> Alphanumeric! All right, so uh, let's get into the trivia. What do you have for bits and bites? Well, so first we'll start with the writer, DC Fontana. Yes, she's a, a definite name. Yeah, so uh, Dorothy Fontana wrote for Star Trek The Original Series. She did some episodes for The Next Generation. She also worked on some of the video games. Mm. Uh, and then to top it off, let's see how many Star Trek references Ben picked up on. Oh my God, we're not listing all of them. <laughs> There's so many. <laughs> I was really proud of the ones that I picked up on that I didn't need to look at, like, the the wiki for. And I was just like, I got that. I got that. Uh, so we get the fun Star Trek sound effects whenever they're in the hard drive, which is, funnily enough, one of my favorite things about watching Star Trek Discovery. Because mm-hmm. I didn't watch the original series, but I love when they go on the bridge and they've got all the, like, the, the ping noises. <laughs> I get a kick out of it. Obviously, the captain's log. Cursor doing the William Shatner impression. Pixel being an obvious Spock booty instead of scotty and he was like a mr freeze kind of character or something yeah little phrases like old friend where no spectral has gone before make it so prime directive the next generation i mean they just threw in every every little thing they could think of so even in the uh, death scene she's like he's disappeared slim instead of he's dead jim and one of the things I was very proud of myself for noticing was in that scene right after he died and they're, they're telling uh, Andrea and Enzo to go off to the game, uh, you can see pretty much what's the next generation alert screen in the background. Yes. Which I only picked up on because I follow Square Trek online and they have the everything's fucked. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, that looks familiar. I know that. <laughs> yep. And that, like, the whole glowing talking energy ball thing is just a straight up Trek thing. Like, oh, trope. it's so, yeah. And it, it really so is so yes star trek abound uh additionally also superheroes it was kind of a mashup like gavin said like he never likes to just reference one thing he likes to kind of mash up two things so this was kind of like a fantastic four slash avengers kind of thing yeah it got a guy that looks like freakazoid acts like plastic man but at one point says that he's fantastic but his face was a skull like he didn't have a nose and like his eyes were darkened in and it was a yeah weird... it was interesting we got a cat woman-ish person uh, a lady who could train to multiple people like multiple man. Uh, we got a guy that was mostly Punisher, but I think there's probably some Wolverine thrown in there. We've got a She-Hulk character. Um, so we get their uh, hard drive area when uh, Enzo is sitting there sulking alone. We get a look around. We get to see a Stanley Cup, a Canadian $2 coin, and a small T-Rex. Uh, the $2 coin and the T-Rex are references to the Batcave. The Stanley Cup is, is a reference to the fact that they're in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> so, in lieu of a game this week, I just thought I would kind of go off on a little riff about what Star Trek means to me. I've got a little essay prepared. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now you have to read it in front of the class. Yeah. It, what's funny, like, we've brought this up a few times, but, like, when I had originally approached people like i want to do a star trek tos podcast which of course there's no shortage of and you said now you wanted to do reboot instead and then what's (laughs) funny is we end up talking about star trek practically every week anyway so (laughs) it's just like the sweetest irony (laughs) thinking i'm trying to think about like what it is that i like about trek 
And to me, it's kind of almost like a warm bath, you know, like at its best, it's comforting in a way. At its worst, it's cheesy. It could be pretty goofy, but I can get past that, you know, <laughs> uh, and like it's, it must be how my wife feels when she watches like Scrubs or The Office over and over. Like the just the feeling of camaraderie and hopefulness and just weird sci-fi shenanigans. Like, I just love it. The best episodes for me, like in my opinion, are those that deal with like time travel or alternate realities. I love that stuff. But yeah, like I'm still making my way through the series. Like I, I haven't, I'm almost done with Next Gen now. So I've still got like Deep Space Nine and Voyager and whatnot ahead of me. But I don't know, I'm looking forward to more. It's just like, it's something that just comforts me. Like when I think about it, like I just feel warm and fuzzy. What about you? Do you have a, a show like that for you? Oh, definitely. Buffy, for sure. I haven't watched Buffy in years now, but I mean, like, I still could quote you entire episodes for <laughs> heart. Uh, <laughs> easily. Star Trek is something that I've enjoyed, like, in bits and pieces, but I've never, like, sat down and watched a whole series through. I've tried a few times. Discovery, I've, I'm watching as it airs, um, and I'm really enjoying. But I've tried to start a few of the series and, like, just watch it through. And I just, I haven't been able to sit down and do that. It's, it's not a bingeable show for me, but uh, I loved catching episodes of stuff. If there's an episode of Star Trek on, no matter what the series, I would sit there and watch it, and I thought I would enjoy it a lot. And I think TOS gets a bad rap. Like, if you actually go back and watch it, like, it's a lot of fun. Like, you can appreciate it on a cheese factor level, but then there's some genuine good episodes in there, too. And, like, it, I mean, it definitely has its ups and downs, but, like, I feel like even the bad episodes, like, you can laugh at. And the good episodes, like, get you hyped and pumped. So, like, it's never, almost never, truly boring. So as far as Star Trek-specific games go, uh, there's a ton. Uh, I just did a quick Google search, and there is a ho whole ton of Star Trek games. Uh, there's a an RPG I know of. There's, like, I think a Starfleet Academy uh, Sega 32X game. Uh, there's Star Trek Online, which is big now. Uh, there's a... A whole ton of them, so I won't even get into them. You can find them. They, they, they did not hesitate to merchandise, you know, this. This is wrong. This is all wrong. As always, every week, we like to uh, find our frostiest moments and then award the golden pigtail to them. And uh, Jessica, do you have any nominees this week? I have some nominees. So, like I said, I really enjoyed the uh, TOS sound effects in the hard drive room. I really enjoyed Enzo's dowdy issues the whole episode. <laughs> and by enjoyed, I mean laughed at mercilessly. I enjoyed that Andrea was pretty much me every time that I play D&D, &D, which is <laughs> that the characters are over there talking about something important, like backstory, and I just go over there and let the prisoners free when no one's looking. Go, what? <laughs> but I think the winner for me has to be uh, when they go to try and save the system from the Punisher, and Enzo forgets how doors work, and just like... <laughs> <laughs> knocks both of them down like <laughs> hinges hinges i don't need no stinking hinges <laughs> it's like the doors will just open just, just open the door especially star trek doors they open on their own <laughs> what about you ben so yeah i had a few nominees because i kept because i kept having to write them down because each next one topped the one before it <laughs> so in order uh my frosty moments were Whenever that She-Hulk character, like, popped into her alternate form, like, they clearly did not want to animate a transition because it's just, like, one frame. <laughs> and she's already the next thing. And then uh, the next one was uh, when that one spectral freaked out and ran from the room in terror. I like that. <laughs> the, the third nominee was when they froze the uh, that spectral. The woman holding him, she goes, Cold crystal. 
just what the doctor ordered. And she makes this like weird face <laughs> that kind of like squints and smiles. <laughs> but all of that was surpassed by the frostiest moment of all, and that was Big Pun Cigar Dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so do we have any feedback this week? Yeah, we got quite a bit. Do we have any positive feedback this week? <laughs> <laughs> I think we got some positive feedback, at the very least uh, missing the, the idea of Star Trek. Honestly, I was surprised at how pretty unanimous it was that people did not really respond positively to this one. Yeah, it really was. And I was I was surprised about that, too, because this, I feel like compared to some of the episodes in the first season, I mean, this is not my favorite episode of this season for sure, but mm-hmm. there's some solid bones there. So for this one to be the one that people actively called out was surprising to me. Especially when you like come out and say, like, this is a Star Trek parody, like, like I'm on board for that. <laughs> yeah. We have Stephen Gower, that's uh, at Stephen G on Twitter. So it's got to be honest, I don't rank this one very highly for the season three episodes. was a bit of a low point for me when it aired, and I'd probably skip it for rewatches. I still appreciate the Trek references, though. It's definitely a good Star Trek story, which I think kind of goes towards what I was saying. I feel is very Star Trek. Yeah, and Nolan Hayes says, like, as a Canadian, a Trek fan, and a superhero fan, and someone who loves DC Fontana's Trek episodes, like, this should be a shoe-in. But it was the only episode of Reboot that he doesn't like. <laughs> uh, we have at Booze Bond Pod on Twitter. Uh, says this one was just too weird, too out of place, and not interesting. I thought the Slider's Quantum Leap scenario of Matrix and Andrea would lead to more interesting systems, but I never really felt they took full advantage of that. Which, you know, is understandable. They uh, Gavin pops in and mentions that they only have this four episodes for the the whole bit of arc where they're pulling the sliders thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if, if they knew they were going to have a fourth season, they could have dragged this out, I think, a little bit longer. I do like that. Like, they're kind of just going to a random place each time, you know? Yeah. I mean, the idea of sliders is great. I love that idea of going to, like, an alternate <laughs> universe every, year, every week. So uh, I'm down for that. I'm granted actual sliders had had its up and down but uh Uh, at t'challa shakur says that the ending always got him emotional with matrix having to relive losing a bob again poor rob (laughs) i just mostly laugh at enzo's dad issues here or bob issues mostly because he he knew rob for all of like an hour so I'm like, I, I have trouble feeling bad for him. <laughs> like all of his friends that have known him for years are there and they're going to have to deal with that loss. But I mean, Matrix is just going to move on. Yeah. And uh, Daniel Borat on Facebook mentions that the references to Star Trek and comics aside, I was always curious about the spectrals. Uh, also, Bob has a doppelganger. And I wonder how he would have felt about that. <laughs> with regards to the spectrals i had the same thoughts like this is kind of an interesting idea for a system this system that doesn't have sprites naturally it kind of got me thinking this is like someone's work computer and then someone got bored and brought their games to work yeah and of course the first game that they download has malware in it <laughs> steph Naylor said that she did like the dramatic reveal of the bad light ball with frisket yeah the frisket can sniff out the viruses I thought that was an interesting part where he's obviously sniffed out the virus and then Matrix is like, frisk it, sniff. I'm like, Gary did it. He did, he, that's why he was there. <laughs> uh, and then at Vindolf on Twitter says, so many references. Where do we even begin? This episode is like Comic-Con exploded. That, that's accurate. That's an accurate statement. 
Also, we've got Gavin poking his head in for this one, too, letting us know that they went unashamedly full-on Trek nerds with this one. And while it's a bit corny and a bit forced and a bit heavy-handed, they don't care because they got to work with DC Fontana. <laughs> I mean, if you get that opportunity to to work with one of your heroes. And I think, yeah, like, and it reiterates, too, that, like, it might have been better as a Star Trek episode than as a reboot episode, you know? Which he fully admits is like, hey, if it's a good Star Trek episode, then mission accomplished. <laughs> so. I think it's time to make this voyage unprofitable. Is there anything you want to recommend this week to our listeners? So yeah, uh, earlier this week, I uh, guested on another podcast. Granted, it will have already probably been out two weeks before you guys are listening to this one. Uh, but if you get a chance to check it out, uh, it's called Interparty Conflict. We mentioned it last week. This is actually one of our listeners uh, invited us on, and it's to talk about D&D. I didn't know you played D&D. No, you haven't. I never told you that. I never mentioned you... that you <laughs> played D&D. Uh, so it's uh, Gabe and Jeff. And uh, they talk about D&D. They usually start off with a, um, a fun item from their Dragon's Horde. And then they answer questions from people online about how to play, about uh, advice, would this thing work, etc., etc. And then they always top off their episode by throwing a log in the fire of the funeral pyre of the many dead D&D characters out there. Uh, so if you enjoy <laughs> DD and you you know you're just looking for some fun talk about it or you're just looking for some fun items to throw in because there's there's some pretty good ones you should go check it out is there anything you can tease about like the item that you brought uh, i didn't bring a specific item i brought the idea of magical tattoos oh uh, nice one of my characters has a magical tattoo and which i got in real life um another of the characters in a game that I, we play have has a magical tattoo so we, we talked about magical tattoos for quite a bit it's pretty fun <laughs> Nice. Well, it's funny. Uh, Gabe actually reached out to me as well to see if I wanted to submit a segment for his arcade podcast. Uh, and so I did. It's called the Arcade Memories Podcast. I think in the second episode or so, I'll have a little three-minute segment where I talk about my history with arcades and pinball specifically. Nice. I'm looking forward to it. I've been to Ben's house. He's, he's refurbished stuff. He's very into that stuff. So... <laughs> So what are we looking at next week, Jess? All right. So next week we are... Are you ready for some homework? Okay. Next week we are doing number seven. This was the all-out Star Trek episode. Number seven is the all-out Prisoner episode. The Prisoner. So you've got to watch at least one episode of The Prisoner before we watch this. I will try. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We also have a uh, guest coming on that week as well. Now, I don't want to make it so that we have a guest all the time because it's a ton of work for me. But um, no, we do definitely have one lined up who's a big fan and specifically requested this episode. Nice. I'm looking forward to it. This one, this one's an interesting one because I had no idea what The Prisoner was the first time I watched it. Uh, and I don't think I've watched it since I've learned about The Prisoner. Oh, interesting. It should be fun to go back and watch it and be like, oh, that's, yeah, that's why that was, that makes sense now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that sounds like fun. You can always join the conversation with us on uh, Incoming Game Pod on Twitter, Incoming Game Cast on Facebook, and IncomingGameCast.com. You can find me at dudworks.com and at dudworks everywhere else. D-U-D-W-O-R-K-S. You can find me at Sturbina Lady. Uh, so it's at Sturbina Lady on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. Um, just FYI, uh, if you are interested in something that we've mentioned before as a recommendation and you want to check it out, you can't remember what we called it. Um, ben actually just posted a list of our recommendations and we'll be keeping track of them. Uh, it's a Google Doc, so we'll keep it updated. Um, and yeah, go check out some of the cool stuff that we've talked about before. We also had a listener uh, reach out and 
on his own accord, started up a wiki page for us. <laughs> Which is really cool. And I'm not sure if is warranted, but... <laughs> <laughs> Like, I love the idea. I just don't know, like, how much information can possibly go in there. <laughs> All I know is I'll get to edit it so that I sound really nice when I have my page <laughs> about how cool I am. <laughs> so before we go, uh, do you want to help me open this bottle of Romulan ale? Isn't that illegal? Also, why did you sit down like that? You're supposed to climb over the chairs. <laughs> All right. Stay frosty, everybody. Game over. User wins.